0: This <laughs> is an indication of how our week is going, before we go live every morning, Isaac and I high-five each other, uh, make eye contact, and apparently we already did it, and then like 10 seconds later, I was like, oh, we and didn't, you know. We had. Anyway. <laughs> good morning, Twitter. I'm St. Jones. He is Isaac Fitzgerald. You're watching AM to DM with a cute new BuzzFeed News logo. What a week. Glad we've made it to the end. Lemon,
1: it's only Wednesday. (laughs) It is only Wednesday, my (laughs) friend. It has been quite a week, but we want to take a moment, bring a little joy into your life. We do, like Saeed just mentioned, have a new BuzzFeed News logo. We've got a new website, buzzfeednews.com. Can we bring it up? Can we bring it up? Category, category is
0: user interface yes. oh look at that and I just for like the record that.
1: that glitching is the gif that's yeah. supposed to be happening and yo that, whew, that's a hell of a story by the yeah, way yeah you should definitely read that story it's I from Joe like Borsi I like the dot I like listen it's it's classic mm-hmm. it's readable alright you can see it on mobile you can read it it reads real clear on your desktop I like it you like me desktop. you like taking your news on the desktop <laughs> yeah it's good and seriously shout out so many teams have been hard at work at yeah, this yeah. for a really long time and it looks beautiful it's and really you can good. now get it buzzfeednews.com There it is. There's the news. There you go. go. There's the news. Well, friends, now that we've had the
0: joy, uh, let's get to the fire. Where were you when?
1: Brother against brother. (laughs) Sister (laughs) against sister. families torn asunder. Checking accounts, holding knives to
0: (laughs) savings accounts. (laughs) (laughs) Where were you when everyone on your timeline, in your group texts, in your slacks, plural, uh, started talking about this damn post from Refinery 29 A week in New York City on
1: $25 an hour. Mm. My goodness. Well, let me start with this. Let me start with this. The first time I saw this, you know, I'm just scrolling. I'm tired. It's after the show. Uh, I saw that headline, and at first I thought it meant uh, spending $25 an hour in New York City. Like, living in New York City feels (laughs) like spending $25 an hour. I would read that. Yeah, you would read that. I would read that, uh, to be honest. And I also thought the same thing. That was my my first time. I was like, ooh,
0: new twist.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, because here's the thing. When I first moved to New York, that's what, for me, I used to say this all the time. It was so incredible to me Mm -hmm. how expensive. It was mind boggling to me how expensive the city was. And it was like every time I left my apartment, I felt like I was lighting $100 on fire. But that's not what that piece is about. (laughs) That piece is actually about somebody who makes $25 an hour and lives in New York City allegedly 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 Uh, a 21
0: year old intern working in hr consulting uh marketing who you know that's the salary uh, but, you know, as we often know, there's a lot of other sources of income. You know, um, so we're going to talk some about perks. it. <laughs> <And some laughs> we're going we're to talk about all of this uh, because it really did take over the timeline. I argue, listen, there was that late afternoon thunderstorm in New York City. And I think a lot of people were like, damn it, I'm not going outside. Let me see what's in it. It was like, what's this? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the timeline was going through it. Let's look at some of your tweets. Uh, our own Stephanie McNeil had this to say, tired reading money diaries and getting mad, wired, reading money diaries, comments for gems like this, when society collapses, I'm gonna find this person and eat them.
1: Yeah, a lot of of people were mad at the person that wrote it. Again, they were getting a lot of income from their family, support from their grandparents, rent was paid. Uh, Here's a good question from Natasha Tiku. Do all the money diaries include the number for an anxiety and depression hotline at the end? And that was real. That was real. That was at and, the, at and the, that was in fact the first
0: the, my first tweet when I saw it actually was like a screenshot of that and I was like oh this is what's going on in there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Is this well, for the reader? We will be asking about this very soon. Um, Alexandra Svokos tweeted a whole thread. A lot of people, as it turns out now, have tweeted threads about this. Here's one of her tweets: Complain about the $1,100 allowance, woohoo, all you want, but that privilege, but that privilege exists is not refinery. 29's fault. In fact, their work draws attention to the fact that privilege makes life extremely different for people for no apparent reason.
1: Yeah, and here's what Roxanne Gay had to say. This is adorable. Her parents pay her rent and give her an $800 a month allowance. And that's fine. But the headline should clarify that she isn't living in New York on her $25 an hour pay alone.
0: And that was a major issue that I think a lot of people had to that point. Refinery29 replied to Roxanne's tweet. Hey, Roxanne, thanks so much for making that point. We agree and updated that headline, but it wasn't showing up on Twitter. Technical
1: glitches, it should be updated now. Thanks for chiming in on the conversation. And we've got the new headline Mm -hmm. that we can bring up right now. And again, I think some people are even arguing a little bit about whether this is totally technically correct or not. And I don't know if it's come up, but basically
0: uh, it's like, now it says like $25 an hour. Oh, there it is. $25,000 an hour and a
1: $1,000 monthly allowance. And there was some other stuff in there too. But (laughs) listen, to all of these points, Lindsay Stanberry, Refinery29's work and money director and author of the book, Money Diaries, joins us now. Lindsay, good morning.
3: Good morning.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. I wanted to start here. For people who don't regularly follow the series, what's the gist and intention of Money Diaries?
3: So Money Diaries is Refinery29's daily series where women track their spending for seven days and they share lots of different details. They share where um, where they shop, what their rent is, their student loan payments, if they have credit card debt. Um, Sometimes they reveal whether or not they get an allowance,
0: whether or not they get an allowance, well. (laughs) I'm sure you've had an interesting uh, 12 hours or
3: so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I'm actually on vacation, so this oh, all okay. came as a, a big surprise to us. I, um, I- we've been publishing Money Diaries for about two years now, um, and we've definitely had some attention. You know, the New Yorker called it the most lurid corner of the Internet, but... Um, yeah, I think that we were all a little surprised that this got as much attention as it did.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, this morning I tweeted that you were gonna be on the show and asked people for some of their questions. Here's one of them, it comes from Kesa. Uh, I imagine many people are wondering, are there injuries from people on the opposite end of that person in the post? Um, which is to say, you know, people who don't go to the Hamptons on the weekend or have an Equinox membership as interns. Um, how often do you accept pitches? And she says, I'm glad these exist, fascinating.
3: Yeah, I thought that was really nice that she was glad that they exist. I feel like a lot of people are like new to money diaries. Um, We didn't think it was so under the radar, but seeing this attention to it has been really interesting. Um, We publish every day and we publish a range of diaries. If you go on, yesterday was a woman in DC making 45K. We had somebody from Cincinnati last week making 50K. Uh, Somebody, we're slowly working our way through all the states, it's really important to us. We had a diary um, entry from India. Uh, So, we do it from around the world, all different income types. We don't solicit the diaries. Uh, Readers can fill out a form and send them in to us directly. We don't pay for them, Uh, though I will say that we do pay the diarists who are in the book. Um, That was really important to us. Um, Yeah, so we really, it's a huge spectrum. So for people coming to the the series um, for the first time, you know, check out the site and see all the different places and women
1: talking about their money. All right. Well, let's talk about this one particular diary, though, that brought all this attention to you. Um, the headline, I do have to say, I think that's where a lot of the animosity came from, right? This idea that people were clicking on something where they thought they were maybe even going to get tips or, or helpful um, snippets of somebody's life who's really struggling to make $25 an hour and a life in New York work. Yeah. And then that I, didn't turn out to be the case. So why that headline choice and why the correction?
3: I'll be totally honest with you. Um, Because we have a form, it aggregates the headline. And so the headline is whatever the person enters the salary, she added the additional income, um, which was great that she was so truthful. I think that there are probably a lot more diarists out there who turn in diaries and are getting some kind of parental support, whether or not it's a formal um, allowance. And you know, they don't share that information. Um, so it was just a mistake on our part, you know, rushing to get up a diary. People are always desperate for them to show up around lunchtime and we aim to deliver and sometimes we mess up. So why we wanted to fix it. I know there were a lot of people who still felt like we should include, um, the fact that her parents pay the rent in the headline. Um, honestly, we don't usually include rent as part of someone's income. A lot of diarists don't pay rent for a number of reasons. So it gets a little complicated when you're just talking about a headline.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, something that stuck out to me, and we were, and we saw a tweet about this earlier, um, about the the number recommending, you know, a, a hotline for people struggling with anxiety and depression. I, I, you know, I don't read every day, but I've read quite a few posts, and I was like, this seems different. Um, so, could you explain the thinking behind that?
3: It wasn't for the readers. Okay. <laughs> um, so it did make me laugh that uh, some people would suggest that. No, um, the reader talks very can- the sorry, the diarist talks very candidly about her struggle with anxiety. And very early on in the Money Diaries, as we no- as we noticed that women were really struggling with certain things, we thought it was very important to provide that information. I think that there are a lot of young women who struggle with anxiety and depression. And if they read something in this and it inspires them, we wanted to provide them with the information.
1: Hmm. All right, I really appreciate that. Um, again, talking about the last 12 hours, for you, you said you were on vacation. You got pulled out of it a little bit here. Uh, just what was the reaction at Refinery29 when this went live, when it started to get it, the attention that it was getting, and when it started to get the backlash? Yeah, I'm seeing tweets from your coworkers right now. So Yeah, I
3: know. I, I have wonderful co-workers. You know, we are so proud of Money Diaries at Refinery. It's something that has really been a team effort um, and something that we've really nurtured and loved over the years. Um, we don't judge diaries. That's always been something very important to me I we've always wanted to provide a range of experiences and you know I think that this diary brings up a lot of really interesting um questions about privilege and opportunity
1: Lindsay Lindsay I think I think that's great but I just wanted to hear and you've said that before I just wanted to hear a little bit like what was it like internally what were your guys' discussion like what was your stack like
3: I, I think it was excitement and frustration and the feeling like Um, we can't believe people still don't know about money diaries. It was a lot of men tweeting kind of negative things about it. Um, and it didn't feel like they had kind of dug deep into our catalog to see the kinds of things that we've done.
0: Right on. Well, uh, Lindsay, you're on vacation. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for joining us. And I would only say, as someone who loves it, I just want more. I want more examples want more? of
3: diaries. more so. Well, our book's coming out on September 4th. Right. That has all new diaries. We have a Facebook group, um, and sometimes we offer special secret diaries on that group. So okay. um, there's lots out there and hopefully right. even more exciting stuff this fall.
1: All right, cool. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you so much, Lindsay. And good on her for coming on the show, yeah. even from vacation. Because I sure wouldn't. <laughs> well, listen, let's take it to the timeline. My friends, tell us about a moment where you realized you were in a very different place financially from the people around you. Let us know using the hashtag am dm hashtag am A.M. to early 20s is hard. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag parent money. If you've got it, use it. Yeah, yeah. send us those stories
0: because um, I think it's very significant. Um, I remember being in college in Kentucky and uh, overdrawing my checking account again, which I felt like I was always doing, and I was just bemoaning it. I thought my roommate, I was like, I thought we all just do this. We're mm-hmm. like freshmen in college. Mm-hmm. And he started lecturing me, and he came from a fairly you know, well-to-do family in Nashville. His parents were accountants. Mm-hmm. And was just like, I'm just shocked that you do this. Like, you don't have a buffer you know, amount of money. And I, that was good financially advice Um, but I was really hurt um, like the assumptions he was making and that you know again like you already feel shitty when you're not
1: doing well financially. About you and your background yeah Yeah, myself personally listen I I've talked about this on the show before I grew up in a homeless shelter I grew up very 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 poor Mm -hmm. I got very lucky at the age of 14 I got a full scholarship to a boarding school Mm -hmm. it was the first time I'd gone kind of from poverty to these places where I felt uncomfortable Mm -hmm. I felt so surrounded by what in my mind were just moneyed people and I had a giant giant chip on my shoulder. Mm. shoulder, shoulder, sorry. That first year is when I learned a really important lesson that I've carried through life, which is that I started to realize some of these rich people were really, really nice. Mm. And some of them were assholes. But then I started looking at my friends at home mm-hmm. and I started realizing, Some of these poor people are really, really nice. (laughs) And some of them are assholes. And it has a lot more to do with your personality and your heart than it does with what's in your bank account. So beginning of a bigger
0: conversation. Well, here's one last tweet with great ideas from Sarah Woolley. Uh, Money diaries I'd like to read. Millennials keeping a parent financially afloat, be they a carer or not. Single women over the age of 60 who cannot claim a pension claim yet. Uh, Anyone adjusting to a new financial landscape post bereavement. Anyone who left a financially abusive relationship.
1: Great idea. Sarah, wow. and, I, and that's another thing. Just keep tweeting them. Obviously, Lindsay's open to more. getting more. They do them every day. Yes. At, yeah, they, <laughs> they got the time. <laughs> well, listen, there was a lot of arguing on the timeline yesterday, but luckily, now this came through with this soothing video. Obama dancing in Kenya is the perfect antidote to. Today. That is not Obama. Well, I do like Jessica Chastain. There we Chastain, go. <laughs> but- <laughs> oh, and we lost it. Okay. Here, I can just do it for you. It's do it, kind of do Obama. The dance. Uh, do just it. doing
0: this. A little <laughs>
1: he was just doing this. He started dancing. I don't know
0: what the tweet wasn't replying to, but I love Jessica Chastain just being like, I got a drink. I think we know why. All right, well, joining us now from Nairobi is BuzzFeed News East Africa correspondent Tamara Griffin. Uh, good morning, Tamara.
2: Hi, Saeed. Hi, Isaac. Hi. Thank you for
0: joining us. Okay, so in that clip, um, and it's just really fun, I'm sure people um, will see it later, Obama dances with his step-grandmother in Kenya, and that was on Monday, but he also gave a speech in South Africa yesterday, quite a week for him. Uh, Why was President Obama in Johannesburg?
2: So Obama was invited to speak at the 16th Nelson Mandela annual lecture. Um, It's basically an event where distinguished speakers from all over the world are invited to give addresses that really embody Nelson Mandela's philosophies and politics around fighting for marginalized people, um, progressive politics, um, and just creating a more just, loving world. So um, this year, it was Obama's turn.
1: It was Obama's turn. Today would have been Mandela's 100th birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, do, I do got to ask, though, I'm seeing a lot of people saying that the speech shaded President Trump. How so?
2: So although Obama never mentioned Trump by name, uh, and even earlier reports had said that there was going to be no mention of the current president, a lot of people still were reading between the lines and found that some of Obama's jokes were secretly taking dig at President Trump. He was talking about a lot of things like reliance on facts in order to have a healthy political debate, um, and was criticizing politicians who just make things up. Um, He had one joke where he said, if I'm saying that I'm speaking at a podium and you're saying I'm speaking at an elephant, we can't really go anywhere from there. Um, which a lot of audience members found hilarious. But then you go on to the timeline and people are like, oh, yeah, that was definitely about Trump. Some people were even adding Trump, actually. Oh, OK. At us,
0: it's not until the end of the show. Um, I also want to add, it seemed like he was talking about politicians being caught in lies, um, which seemed very significant, of course, because of Trump's uh, Helsinki summit. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah, so the timing of this also sort of added to the, the questions of shade. Um, it came one day after Trump and Vladimir Putin had a one-on-one meeting in Helsinki. And Trump was also, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Obama um, in his speech was criticizing strongman politics and how that often leads to things like attacks on the media, a lot of issues that have come up since Trump's presidency. So people were really quick to draw those parallels.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, he doesn't do these public speeches very much lately. So, you know, I mean, this
1: is the first one since (laughs) Trump since Trump became president. Real quick, before we let you go, how did you rate his dance moves?
2: So I'm rating his dance moves in the context of an uncle that you would meet at some family member's birthday and the music starts playing. Uh I would give him a solid seven. And (laughs) the reason why is because if you look at the expression on his face, He has this sort of smirk that's like, I got this, don't worry, I got this. That was actually my favorite part more than like what his actual Uh body was doing. Um, But he did say when he gave the speech that Michelle is actually the best dancer in the family, which I would definitely agree with. We know. But he still, he had some (laughs) effort, so I give him a seven.
0: I love it, I love it. Well, Tamara, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. I love being on the show. We love having you. <laughs> Listen, I mean,
0: Michelle was, you know, dancing in Paris with Beyoncé. Yeah, she was with Beyoncé, you know. ago. Here's a tweet from Simi: uh, Obama dancing in Kenya is the collective glass of red we all needed this week, to which someone added several tall glasses for sure. All mm-hmm. right. Well, when we come back, friends, it is time for fire tweets. <laughs> so- I will tell you this. I do feel like there's like a a Money Diaries, like, cycle (laughs) where like every so often another one bubbles up. But this was, I I was, it was fascinating to see that this was like...
1: A yeah, flare up. I think it was one of our own producers that mm-hmm. was like big content energy. Shout out to Refinery29. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of news yeah. going on, so yeah. to be able to take over the timeline like that, you know? Yeah. And I, again, game respect website game. Yeah. And again, I just want more. I want.
0: I want. Like, I would love, you know, to see what it means for LGBT people. I think that'd be an interesting series. Immigration. We're mm-hmm. talking about like all of these different facets because we just we just need more opportunities to look at it. And maybe part of the problem is Refinery29 is like the only. Place really doing it right now. All
1: right. Anyway, T. You ready just to get in, it in these five tweets? tweets? Let's do it. Dan Duvall, you tweeted, <laughs> My mom has a podcast, but you can only hear it if you have the password to my voicemail. <laughs> mm, I love that tweet so That's much. like Riddle of the Sphinx. <laughs> no one's going to get that. <laughs> no, man. You just, you got all those voicemails. I, I In you. fact,
0: I've noticed in the last few days, I think, because you see it, like, do you have know that thing where people are like, I left you a voicemail, and you're like, I, did you? I didn't because I don't have mine set
1: up. It's more like you don't check your voicemails is what I, I think I to don't say. even have a
0: set up. I don't even know my own password.
1: For me, it is very much, uh, oh, this is episode 10 from my mom. I haven't called yet. There's a little bit of that going on.
0: <laughs> All right, this tweet comes from Julia.
1: I love overhearing dog owners talking to their
0: dogs. I was petting this dog, who seemed happy, but then suddenly growled at me, so I left. Um, as I turned the corner, I could hear this owner saying to him reproachfully, you always do this, Oscar. You drive away all your friends. Oscar, <laughs> you got to let the love in,
1: baby. Julia was just trying to love you. Julia's just trying to love you. <laughs> your future baby dad oh, said. Bold. Old people version of fuck it up is don't hurt nobody now. And see, that was mm. Obama. That mm. was Obama. <laughs>
0: you don't want that. this. All right, this Alex. Don't Giroux. hurt nobody you now. ready for this. Don't hurt nobody don't now. not to put on Luther. All right, this comes from Miles Tancer, who's going to be on later this morning. Just set up two straight people solely on the basis that they're both straight. We're turning the tables this summer. Yes, I re-
1: I love this oh, idea.
0: Yes, do this. Straight people, listen. Going. I know someone who's black and someone who's gay. In fact, I know two of them, mm-hmm. and thus I will introduce. Like, that is not we. Uh, That's not how it works. That's not how it works But at all. gay
1: people, start doing it for straight people. The I'm revolution. Into it. I'm into it. Just oh, you're straight. I've got a straight friend. You guys should meet. <laughs> Alexandra Petrie, you tweeted, I obviously meant to shout, I don't object. Oh, Sorry that I ruined your wedding. Ooh. (laughs) Man, for someone like Trump
0: of all people Mm. to use the phrase double negatives, I was Mm. like, well, I'm impressed he even knows what a double negative is.
1: For me, it was more about the fact that you thought that was the only line that you needed to fix, (laughs) my friend. And the only time,
0: okay, Mm. anyway, Mm. we'll talk about that more later. Tweet of the day, Ryan Harris, let's go. I hate going to the kitchen and finding out that I'm the only snack in the house.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ryan. Right. A
1: lot of humility, a lot of humbleness. I love it. <laughs> what kind of snack would you be? Nutella. All right. I'm Damn, that going so live from the kitchen with Tarini Party. Uh, Nutella, I like it. I mean, Fruit roll-up. <laughs> Welcome back. We're now going live from the district with BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party. Good morning, Tarini.
0: Good
4: morning, guys.
0: Hey, sister girl. Well, here's a tweet from Helen Lewis that um, had us giggling earlier <laughs> this morning. Uh, me canceling plans I regret making. I said the word would instead of wouldn't. Mm, Isn't mm. it fun
1: to see Trump make? it's a a good excuse it's a good excuse, I'm going to use it here's a tweet from Ed (laughs) Crasson, it all makes sense now when Trump said that Mexico would pay for his wall, he really misspoke and meant that Mexico wouldn't pay for the wall yeah, I mean if you apply this to a lot of last year and a half a lot of things start working out
0: (laughs) well Tarini, um, as always your hair looks great this morning and I just want to, as an aside, ask uh, what kind of conditioner do you use to deal with all this whiplash?
4: Thanks, guys, but I don't think there's any conditioner in the world that could handle this uh, level of whiplash that we've been seeing. Okay,
1: relatable, comforting. A- and what a level it has been. <laughs> Here's a tweet from Gabriel Sherman of Vanity Fair. Per three sources, Kelly privately lobbied congressional Republicans to rebuke Trump publicly for Putin presser. Torini, it's been a little while since we've gotten the scale out, but mm. scale once it's set, how weird is that? <laughs>
4: So there's a lot of weird stuff that's happened, especially in the last few days. But I would say on a scale of one to 10, this is getting pretty close to the 10 mark here because John Kelly is chief of staff. You know, his job is to advise the president uh, and on something as important as this, he is lobbying Republicans in Congress instead to tell the president what to do. He clearly knows he doesn't have much power left with the president here. And so he's trying to come up with different options. You know, we've seen a lot of stories in the past few weeks about Kelly potentially leaving the White House. And this clearly is a signal that even he knows he has no power when it comes to President Trump.
0: Interesting. And, you know, I know that Trump, uh, Trump's interview with Tucker Carlson was on last night and, you know, there are more reactions. Does the White House at this point think that they have made it, you know, are they out of the woods or do they feel, you know, aware that this crisis is going to stick?
4: I don't think there's any way they can think that this is over. If you turn on cable news, the image of President Trump at this press conference on Monday with Putin is playing over and over again still. The the visual is just still pretty stunning. They're still getting a lot of questions about the, the one-on-one meeting that the president had with Putin and what came out as a result of that. We're also seeing the president himself still tweeting about this. He tweeted this morning about um, how you know people hired up in, uh, in the intelligence world actually thought he did just fine. So you know, this is something that it seems like it's going to be pretty hard to uh, just fizzle out.
1: All right. It's not going to just move right past it. I do want to ask who else at the White House in Congress was kind of pressuring him to clarify his statements.
4: So as we would expect, it would be people who are in his inner circle, uh, which, as we know, tends to change, you know, people he actually takes seriously. So it's been reported that Vice President Pence and uh, now Secretary of State Pompeo were the ones who were able to actually get him to somewhat walk back what he did on Monday.
0: Yeah, I also, I guess, wanted to ask about uh, Bill Shine. He's gotten a lot of attention recently. Uh, do we know if at all, and you know, he's new in the White House, but did, did he have a hand in this? Was this his first test as head of communications for the White House?
4: Yeah, so it's an interesting first week on the job for the new communications director. And you know he was traveling with the president um, on his foreign trip. And given his title, one would assume that he played a role in terms of crafting the statement and you know do, coming up with what uh, is being called the walk back, but really didn't really seem like a walk back. Um, but it's really hard to know how engaged he has been. We've seen the president get on Fox News more. It's unclear if you know that is really the president's doing or Bill Shines, because at the end of the day, we know that President Trump is his own communications director, his own chief of staff. So So Bill Shine knew what he was getting into uh, when he took this job. And it's really still unclear how much he's uh, advising the president or how much the president is actually listening to him.
1: Let's talk about Fox for a second, though, Torini, because so there's pressure from the inner circle on Trump. But you've got to imagine he's been watching Fox and Friends. Uh, How much do you think that played a role in him actually being like, oh, no, sorry, that was actually just a misstep, a misspoken word?
4: I think it's it's hard for that to not have played a role, right? Like we saw Fox News come out and use words like disappointed. Uh, you know the different guests that were that were on following the press conference on Monday. We also saw his closest allies, regulars on on Fox News, someone like Newt Gingrich, come out and and say that the president needs to clarify what he said. So it seems that you know, given the cycle that uh, that is that usually happens when the president says something that he needs to kind of fix or correct. It's the pressure from his closest allies, which at this point includes Fox News and the you know everyone on Fox and Friends. The pressure from people like them are the ones that actually get him to even consider changing what he's actually said.
0: Okay. Well, to the point of how uh, surrogates and members of Congress are responding and perhaps relenting on pressure, here's a tweet from you, Tarini. Like during other dramatic flare-ups, the immediate consequences for Trump personally over his comments in Helsinki are so far low. And like other controversial moments in his presidency, Trump followed the same confusing walk-back Pattern. Um, so, Torrini, uh, as Trump reminded us yesterday, there are, quote, a lot of other people out there. So, why does this uh, confusing walk back strategy, frankly, keep working for him?
4: Right, so there are two reasons why he keeps doing this over and over again and why this works. The first is that the president, this is just the way he functions. In situations like this, he digs in for as long as he can, realizes the pressure is building, including from his own allies, and considers maybe doing something about it. But he, the way he does something about it, is in a confusing way that actually doesn't change what he did, but is enough for Republicans to say that the president clarified uh, his original statement. So, the second part of it is that Republicans essentially let him get away with it, right? So we we saw this after Charlottesville. We've seen this over and over again, where Republicans, you know, can they want him? They'll press. They'll put pressure on him. But when he does something that could even you know remotely count as a walk back they they are, they have something to point to so they're able to move on and uh, go on to other things like their policy agenda that they're so determined on the president helping them get through
1: so i, I it's it's hard for me because The moment in Russia actually did seem like a turning point. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Helsinki. Felt like we were in Russia, but... Felt like a turning point for me. (laughs) It felt like we were actually seeing people on both sides kind of taking a stand. Why do you think it is, Tarini, that, to use your words, there really is no last straw?
4: Right. So, you know, when we saw this moment where a lot of Republicans were criticizing the president, joining uh, Democrats and really putting pressure on him, but they didn't take any action. You know, there obviously are uh, acting against the head of your party is a difficult move. But there are some things they could have done that would have signaled some sort of strong action uh, in, in terms of telling him that this was not okay. But there was never really any momentum for that. And I talked to someone close to the White House yesterday who said this whole concept of the last straw being something long term and permanent just does not exist because the president can come out tomorrow and talk about his Supreme Court nominee and everyone is going to be on board supporting him. So, you know, in the short term, maybe for, you know, two or three hours when everyone is putting out these critical statements, it could seem that way that, oh, you know, this is the last straw and Republicans are going to really act against the president now, but that never lasts. And this keeps repeating over and over again. Uh, We saw something similar happen after Charlottesville.
0: Well, Tarini, um, to look at this another way, if the GOP controls the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, and there was no such thing as a last straw uh, for these you know, kind of seemingly do-or-die presidential moments for Trump, um, we can go even back to Access Hollywood, where does that leave the Democratic Party going into midterms? Like, wh- what is their answer to this kind of dynamic? Uh, what is their option?
4: I think uh, it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks, how they try, if at all, to use what happened uh, on Monday in terms of their messaging for 2018. So we saw in the last few months, the, the Democrats were really focusing on things like the economy and healthcare things, you know, kitchen table issues. Um, but now that, uh, and, and they kind of said they didn't wanna to focus too much on Russia because they thought it was more of a DC specific thing that people, you know, in places like Montana would not care about as much. But now that you have this visual of the president kind of siding pretty clearly with uh, the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin uh, on Monday, and this press conference that really stunned the world, is that something that Democrats could use in their messaging in 2018? I think that is something that they're thinking about. Uh, Does that take the focus away from issues like health care that voters care about?
0: All right. Well, um, as always, Tarini, thank you for joining us this morning.
4: Thanks, guys.
0: And for now, let's leave it with this tweet from Ira that, you know, of all of the tweets yesterday about Trump's wood-wooden kind of moment, I was like... This is it. This is the one. I retweeted Republicans before and after Trump clarified his Putin
1: comment. (laughs) (laughs) Just one more. Oh, Uh, cry, cry, cry. Oh no, everything's everything's fine. Everything's fine. Mitch was like, and we're in the clear. Yeah, and (laughs) we're moving it on. Stick around. More AM to DM. We'll be right back. So good.
5: I'm Chantal Collins, and this is The Sit Down. I'm joined by actor Niecy Nash, the newest member of the Hollywood Walk of Fame and star of the hit TV drama, *Claus*. Good morning, superstar. Hello, girl.
6: How are you? Listen, I am still on cloud nine. You have to be. Listen, and I was telling everybody, like, oh, where can I find your star? And I said, you know, they told me originally, you're going to be right in front of the Pantages. Oh, my God. Right across the street from the W. Where am I? Girl, I'm right in front of good old CVS. <laughs> and I love every minute of it, huh? We love it. Go get your
5: cold cream a pack of gum and visit my star. Yes, you can get two for one. Okay. (laughs) So before we get into your star, I have to let you know, I got my nails done, especially for you today. I've never gotten this color before. I said, I'm doing it just for you.
6: Let me tell you what. I peeped this very delicious lemon sorbet of sorts. Okay. And I'm telling you, when I first sat down, I said, oh, look at that color. Do you approve? Claws up. Claws up.
5: Yeah, for sure. Sign of approval. Okay. Yes. Thank you. So, anywho, you are now cemented in Hollywood. You just received your star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. What was that day like for you?
6: (sighs) The day itself was beautiful. Leading up to the day, (laughs) not so much. Oh, what happened? Um, It was just everything that could happen, happened. You know Mm -hmm. know how it is? Mm -hmm. You know, I I didn't tell my stylist that I hadn't been working out for six months. So, when they brought all of the clothes, only Mm -hmm. one dress fit. So then I had to have another fitting and I still ended up with the only dress that fit the first time. Uh You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just different little things were falling apart and it was just bedlam. And I kept saying, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to have a good time at the ceremony. And I was walking out the door. I was finally dressed. Everything was together. And my fingernail broke. No. And I was like, what? How am I on claws? And this is my day and my fingernail broke. Crisis averted. We put it back together. I went to the ceremony and what the best thing I did for myself was to give someone else my phone. Mm. And I, so I wasn't present to capturing my day for other people. I was present to experiencing my day in for department. myself. Mm. Yes. And then I got my phone back at the end of the day and was just happy to go through it and see what people got on my phone.
5: That's amazing. So you were covered. You, you know, you got back on ballot. I was covered. That's yeah. Amazing. So yeah. How does it feel to have a star before Oprah?
6: listen, okay, I didn't know Oprah didn't have a star. I didn't either. But the one thing that I will tell you is that she reached out to me on the day. Oh, did she? She did. Oh, what? What did she say? Wait a minute. You know, some things is best left between best friends and uh, no, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She basically said um, that God confirmed his word for you Uh on this day. You know, and then after she saw my the look, I mean, when they all came together, she texted me and said, baby. No, she said, honey, Marilyn Monroe is turning over in her grave. Oh, wow. And She put Bravo with a whole lot of claps, clapping emojis.
5: Sign of approval from Queen Oprah. From the Queen. We love her. What else can you say? I mean, hey, what a way to have it cemented. Listen. So we've known you as a comic actor from your days on Reno 911, and now you're starring on Claws, a TNT drama where you play a nail artist, Desna Sims. You know, tell me, what is it like playing this character going from comedy to drama? What's that transition been like for you? Well, I think I'm dramatic, but I don't think
6: our show is a drama. Mm -hmm. Not to me. I feel like it's a delicious hybrid. Okay. Um, I don't carry the funny in the show for sure. But the one thing that I will tell you is that it's delicious to be invited into another part of the party. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been, you know, told you're funny. You do over the top comedy and that's what we know you for. Mm -hmm. So it took a while to invite people to see me how I saw myself, but I just kept reintroducing myself until they got it. Okay. Let Mm -hmm. them know.
5: Mm -hmm. What do you love
6: the most about playing Desna? Oh, wow. What I love the most about playing Desna Sims is that she's on the south side of 40. She is um, a full woman, literally and figuratively. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thicker it in the snicker. No, <laughs> <laughs> no sample sizes here, uh, guys. <laughs> um, I love that she is a friend mm. and a really good friend, a nurturer. Um, I love that she's her own woman. She has sex for her own pleasure. Yes. Um, I love that she's a boss. I just her. enjoy her. And I love that, you know, women who live in this body type get to see themselves as sexual beings. I love that she represents women who are over 40 with no kids and not married. Um, there, there, there are many things about her that that I adore. Now, let's just take a beat. Does mother enjoy those tight jumpsuits? <laughs> Listen on occasion, but it's very challenging to be in skin-tight clothes all day long, Mm -hmm. especially when you live in a city that has the best, I mean, when you work from a city that has the best food ever. Down in New Orleans, and then it's like, everything is fried in grease and dipped in gravy, and then they want to put you in something that's two sizes too small. Into my defense, okay, maybe it wasn't too small when I first got it, but a couple weeks in, the (laughs) seams are screaming, and you're like, Lord, (laughs) help me.
5: (laughs) Now, now, listen, outside of whatever role you play, you have always been a fashionista, glamorous, you've always brought it. Now tell me, have nails always been a regular part of your routine?
6: Nails have always been. I've been getting my nails done since I was probably about 13 or 14. Oh, wow. And I've always when I started, you know, I calmed down the older I got, but I started with the bells and the whistles and, you know, all of the long nails and bright colors and all of those things. So, yes, that has always been
5: a thing of a thing. All right. So in a typical week, how many times do you have to change your nails for the show?
6: Uh, in a typical week you you could maybe have maybe 5 to 10 nail changes depending wow depending, you know, on how we're shooting. That's why on the show, um, our nail tech Morgan Dixon makes
5: custom press-ons for us. Okay, so you're just keeping them. Yeah, we just keep changing them over. Okay, amazing. Mm -hmm. So we have to get to a special tweet here. Oh, we do? On Sunday, you shared this tweet about your daughter. What did I say? Acting debut, look who's playing Teen Desna. Go, Dia. They were seeing girls to play Desna, and I told Dia she should go in for it. Let me help you with the audition, I said. Her reply, I'm good. I will go over with my acting coach. Me, my baby is growing up. She booked it on her own. So precious. So tell me, what was it like seeing your baby girl playing you on television? Well, first of all, let's just back up to the tweet. She read <laughs>
6: me for filth. She kind of did. She I was did. like, let mommy help you with that, dear. She's like, I'm good. <laughs> did you and have like, any reservations about that? No, I had no reservations about it at all. Um, you know, the thing of it is, is that, you know, you, you want what your kids want for themselves Mm -hmm. and if that's what you want to do, you know, go for it. Now, I'm not going to give you a career. I very much want you to know that when I'm dead and gone, you got to know how to go get Mm -hmm. it. So, you know, I didn't, you know, do anything to make her get this job. I said, you guys are going to see some girls, see her too. Please know for from me, from my, from, uh, hear me say, this is not a have to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not called show friends. It's a business. Mm-hmm. So if she doesn't book it. She doesn't book it. But now when she did say to me, I want to work with someone other than you on this audition, that's when I got nervous. Because I'm like, mama got the secret sauce. I know the mojo. I can okay. help you get this You're thing. Right. And she was like, no, I got a coach. I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's I was like, oh
5: and then she got it. That's so precious. Well, speaking of family, your co-star, Karuchi Tran, has been very vocal about your support of her career and how you've just been an advocate for her. How important is it for you to advocate for women and pay it forward in the industry?
6: Well, let me start by saying that I've never gotten a job and not gotten somebody else a job. Mm -hmm. I don't play those games. I never hoard a blessing. You know what I mean? It's, It's enough to go around. If I'm eating, I want some other folks to eat, too. Um, And um, that particular role, they were a little stuck on. And I said, let me bring somebody to the table for you to consider for this. Um, And she had gone back, I think, about three or four times. She didn't even know that I was the advocate. Wow. Until after the fact. So um, I'm, I'm happy to be a champion, not just of women, but anybody who is um, looking to live their dream. You know, I've helped people get music placed in the show. I've, you know, referred actors and wardrobe, our, the wardrobe person that we have now, who, who was creating all the looks this season, was somebody who came from my
5: watch. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to pay it forward any way I can. That's amazing. So being a a blessing and paying for it, that's amazing. You have to. How are you just going
6: to be selfish? That's ugly. It
5: is. Let them know. Mm -mm. Don't be selfish. (laughs) Don't be selfish. Let them know. So since you have now become a nail tech expert on the show on set all the time, I want to see just how much of a nail tech expert you become. So we're going to play a little game. Oh, Lord. Okay. It's going to be called Name Those Nails. Are you ready to play? So I'm going to show you a picture Mm -hmm. of a celebrity's nails. Okay, okay. And I want you to tell me what celebrity those hands belong to. Okay, let's do it. Are you ready? Yep, where do I look? All right, so you're gonna look right Right here? Right there, okay. Go for it. All right, first up, it's either Rihanna, Beyonce, or Sierra. RiRi. Yes. Okay. Ding! ding. (sighs) Next up. so beautiful. So gorgeous, we love her. We have Jennifer Lopez, Karrueche Tran,
6: or Demi Lovato. I know these little rusty hands. That's nobody but that Karoochie, you know, because she worries me to death with those little paws all the time. So I know those are her hands. Oh, my
5: gosh. That's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, up next, we have Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, or Kim Kardashian. It's a little tough one. Let me say it again.
6: I, I feel like that that could be Ariana. And you said our Taylor Swift, so No, she's she not rocking the ring like that, though. No. Ariana,
5: Taylor, or Kim Kardashian? Yeah, that could be Kim, though, too. Hmm. Yep, I'm you got go, it. Yeah. You got it, Kim Kardashian. Well, uh, it turns out that you are a nail tech expert. So, Nisi, thank you so much oh, for joining yeah, me today. I'm an expert. Congratulations on your star and just slaying everything you touch. Thank we you. We love you here. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you all. Uh, this Sunday, make sure you tune into Clause as it airs on TNT at 9 p.m. Stay tuned for more AM to DMs.
7: Welcome back. This is What's Poppin'. Buzzfeed news reporter Ann Helen Peterson wrote this deep dive. The new Gwen Stefani is a lot like the old one. Ann Helen joins me now to talk about her piece. Hey, Ann Helen. Hi. How are you doing? Great. And so as far as musicians go, Gwen Stefani has remained relatively present in the public eye for a long, long time. So what made you want to write about her right now?
8: So I heard about her residency, uh, several months ago and made plans to, to go to the first night. And then I just went on eBay and bought like all the old magazines that I can find, which is always the way that I do these sorts of deep dives and then spent a bunch of time watching videos and revisiting my ninth grade self from the mid
7: nineties. Yeah, for sure. So since the mid nineties, how has her image evolved since then?
8: You know, it's funny because in a lot of ways it really hasn't. Like she has this extraordinary contradiction that I talk about in the piece where she's like, I am, like, you know, the the front woman of a rock band. Like, I'm so out there, so aggressive in some ways. But, like, she always talks about how I'm a traditional girly girl. She distances herself from, like, other rock feminists that came before her specifically in the 90s. And that remains really at the heart of her, her image. She's like, you know, here I am in this residency, but I'm really, like, a traditional girl who's now, you know, really, like, in this... she She's, like, so in love with, like, Shelton, and they're very... Uh, demonstrative about that love and very, um, I don't know, like it's like an old fashioned romance in a lot of ways.
7: Right. Right. Yeah. They certainly love to get after each other on social media. That's for sure. <laughs> when did you first notice a shift in the public perception of her from, I guess, I think a lot of people did think of her as this like cool chick, but you're saying that this is kind of who she's been all along. So when do you think people started to realize that?
8: You know, I think that maybe people who are older than me got it. Like in the 90s, they're like, oh, this person like is really, she's positioning herself as like a safer, more palatable antidote to the like, uh, riot girl rocker women who came before her. But like, you know, I was in eighth and ninth grade when no doubt came on the scene. And I was just like, oh my God, she has the best fashion in the world. Like she's so unique and different. I didn't Obviously, like most people in the ninth grade, I did not understand cultural appropriation and like the way that she was using that and the way that she continued to use that through the 2000s.
7: Yeah, she has been called out a lot for her cultural appropriation. And reading your piece, I didn't even realize a lot of the stuff that she had done. Has she ever responded to that really or apologized or seemed to grow in any way on that? No. <laughs> I mean, here's the, thing. here's the thing is that, like, I'll, and I think we see
8: this a lot actually with like other stars of the 90s who are dealing with how to be in a world where, you know, if you do something that's not okay, like people come after you on the internet. Um, so someone like Matt Damon, same sort of thing. So Gwen Stefani, you know, she wore a bindi for like the first five years of her career, which is, you know, a part of um, an Indian cultural tradition. And no one ever said uttered the words cultural appropriation. Like those were not part of the way that we talked about celebrities at that time. So if that was how she had conceived of like, oh, of course I can do this. No one's gonna like, this isn't wrong. What's wrong with this? Um, And then similar things happened with her debut solo album and her use of the Harajuku girls. Um, And then she has said like people who have called her out like, You know, Margaret Cho was like, you know, this is appropriation. Gwen Stefani got so mad. She she said that uh, Margaret Cho hadn't done her research and that it's okay to borrow, you know, from other cultures. It's fun. And I can totally see how that's how Gwen Stefani views this. But at the same time, I think that we're having more sophisticated conversations about what's going on when white women um, borrow those sorts of cultural traditions as accessories.
7: Yeah, I think kind of what you were saying in the 90s, I was about that same age when she was doing the very, like, Harajuku Girls, Hullabat Girls sort of thing. Like, I was, like, I think 14. Um, and I, why do you think that she's never really gotten a ton of backlash for that? I kind of was thinking about it as I read your piece, and I was like, yeah, that was kind of messed up, right? <laughs> well, I th- you know, in her, the, it's still the name of her target line for girls. Um, I think
8: that... There was backlash for a slightly different thing when No Doubt had their reunion album. They, uh, the first video from it was a Cowboys and Indians theme, which immediately like there was this huge backlash. This was I think around two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Like of course you can't do that. You can't have a Cowboys and Indians theme like dressing up as cowboys and Indians on in your video. <laughs> like in the internet age, like, this is not okay. And they yanked the video right away. So I think that was her first taste of like. Oh, I can't do anything that I want when it comes to other cultures. Um, so since then, her it's really like she's recentered around like her songs are all a lot about heartbreak from her divorce from Gavin Rossdale, but also uh, love and romance and and rediscovering herself in this uh, second kind of second romance with like Shelton.
7: For sure. So now she's like you said, she's dating Blake Shelton. Obviously, we all know that they tell us all the time. How do you think that's affected the public perception of her? Do you think it really has not?
8: You know, I think it depends on her fans.
7: So sometimes, you know, I
8: remember when Blake Shelton was named people's uh, sexiest man, that there was a lot of like, oh, like how could this guy be the sexiest man? But I think most people who are reacting that way maybe only thought that he was just like a country star. And if you have ever been exposed to Blake Shelton, like if you watch The Voice, if you, you know, I watched a ton of YouTube uh, interviews with him for this piece. He's incredibly charming. Um, It's very easy to see how they fell for each other. But on the outside, like Gwen Stefani was with a rock star from an alternative band, like they seemed like the coolest couple. And now she's with a country star. It seems like a contradiction, but really it's that same, like she wants this traditional, very family oriented life that she always has been expressing from the nineties. It's just that we forgot about it.
7: Yeah, for sure. Well, Anne Helen, it was a great piece. I encourage everyone to read it. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. More AMC is coming up next.
0: All right, friends, uh, here's a tweet from Aubrey Teddy Grahams. Uh, <laughs> Missy Elliott should have received her video Vanguard long before Pink, hell, even Kanye, Britney, B. She's been here. Her creativity inspired many of the works of these artists that are being recognized before her. Absolutely agree, Teddy Grahams. All right, I am here with Miles Tanzer, my friend, my boo, Fader news editor and co-host of the new podcast, Vader explains to talk about our Woman Crush Wednesday, Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. Yes. We stand. <laughs> okay, I, ah, uh, yes, I just, <laughs> I have loved this woman as long as I've been old enough to buy music on my own. Okay. She's Uh, (laughs) she's an incredible human. She's an incredible human being in every single way and we're gonna pay homage. Um, So you wrote this new piece uh, for Fader. It's time to give Missy Elliott the VMA's Video Vanguard Award. Um, Okay, and because the VMA's are coming up, they haven't announced. Who would be getting it? So, like, we think maybe there's a chance. So, you know, we're gonna put our hands on that scale, y'all. Just like Kid Fury on the reed. For people who don't know, what's the Vanguard Award? Who's
9: gotten it so far? Sure, it's the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, Mm -hmm. named for one of the medium's greatest creators, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, It's gone to people like Beyonce. Um, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, and a lot of white men. Yeah,
0: Rihanna, I think
9: got it. Recently. Rihanna got it recently. <laughs> and mm-hmm. last year's winner was Pink, oh, which um, okay. I feel like was a semi-controversial announcement, mm. just because maybe she's a bit of a like a younger artist in the category, even mm-hmm. though she has a tremendous amount of hits herself. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people were surprised by that, mm-hmm. and especially because there's still artists like Missy Elliott who haven't been given the honor. Who? I think really deserve it. Really, really (laughs) deserve it. Well, Missy
0: actually responded to everyone calling uh, to her video Vanguard Award. She tweeted, and she always tweets, the nicest, most Absolutely. humble tweets. This is what she had to say. I can't ignore the outpour of love. I just want y'all to know I see y'all, and my award is knowing, oh, I love this, my award is knowing that I have great fans. If I could give y'all huge hugs, I would, and I will continue to work as hard as I can on my videos. Until then, I love y'all, and I'm humbly grateful. Oh,
9: we stan. Like, how just... could you not be obsessed with her? <laughs> You'd be crazy. You have to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> What do you make of her response? Her response is exactly why we love her. It's taking maybe some furor directed at someone and turning it into love and positivity. And at the same time acknowledging that, yes, she does kind of deserve it in a way. Um, And you know, she's always been kind of this first statesman for hip hop and for music. to, uh, just like her bio, she says she wants all women rappers to reunite and perform together. Like that's the kind of message that she wants to the world, a and queen. that's a beautiful thing. A queen, and she's written songs for every damn body. <laughs> Whitney Houston, they all in my business. Yeah, uh, Beyonce,
0: at least once. Mary J. Bl- I'm like mm-hmm. get into it. Get into it if you don't know. Um, l- let's
9: talk about why why we think she has been overlooked. Do we have theories? I mean, the VMAs historically have not been kind to black artists, especially black women. Mm. In this category, the Video Vanguard Award, of the 33 people who've gotten it, 22 people are white men or bands of all white men. Wow. Including like the Beatles, which is kind of a curious one. Um, mm. But then you look across categories and it's telling the same story. 80% of the winner of the pop video categories have been white artists. Um, the award show in general has not been particularly kind. As well as with Missy Elliott, she wasn't nominated between 1997 and 2001 when she released some of the That's best- That's like the
0: peak of her career.
9: Yeah. Um, the first peak. Yeah, the first, yeah, she's had many peaks <laughs> of her careers and yeah. throughout constantly wow. at a level performing above everyone else. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> and this is so important, because I'm just going to
0: take a quick rant here. Black people made MTV. Okay, MTV music videos. Michael Jackson put MTV on the spot with his black ass music <laughs> <laughs> videos. And certainly, you know, MTV would be nowhere without like these iconic contributions. Absolutely. From, from these black women artists in particular. Um, let's let's just pay homage to some of the many videos. And I hope y'all, like, when you're bored later today or tonight, you That's know. That's the best
9: day ever to fire away. up YouTube. Missy Elliott. Yes! video playlist.
0: Missy Elliott and chill. Okay, <laughs> for the children. Let's talk about. Favorite moments and get your freak on. Oh my
9: God! I mean, this the spit take <laughs> moment that <laughs> rushes through the air. Oh my that God. is so Look iconic. At her neck. Look Literally at that! Literally, her neck going oh everywhere. My God, she's just so ahead of everything. Yes. Like this, this was released over a decade ago, mm-hmm. and it still feels so much fresher than like. You know, to- most things that we're seeing. Totally, you know, bland-ass music videos <laughs> I'll put down now. Uh, sock It To Me, which I love, with Debrat. Absolutely incredible. Again, she embraces futurism mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think, and Afrofuturism, mm-hmm. too, in a way that, Artists before and after her have not done since, especially this. This robot costume. Yes. She literally invented the Gmail logo. Catch up to her. Like get <laughs> off her level. That. Know her. Know her. And uh, we were like in the second grade when Socky <laughs>
0: yes. Chip came out. Uh, Work it. One of my favorites.
9: Absolutely, it's beautiful. I when I was putting together this post, it was like coming up with an image to capture Work it. Like mm-hmm. that's. An impossibility. Yeah. It's there's so many looks. Mm-hmm. You know all of the flies. All of her dra- getting dragged across the floor, oh, yeah. performing on that checkerboard. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything is just beautiful. It's a work of art. Yeah, Not, yeah. and her videos, just they look like no one else has nothing yeah, else. Yeah, there's no
0: flaws. Incredible, and just one more. And again, this is just like a brief, lose control. Music make you lose control.
9: <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Missy, Missy Elliott's videos is the choreography is mm-hmm. so on point. Mm-hmm. Her dancers go so hard, and so does she. She keeps up with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have dancers busting out mm-hmm. throughout the entire thing. She's on their level. Maybe even working a little bit harder. Okay, well any do we know anything about what's next for her? Any new music? She's had a few singles. She's always in the studio. She's always writing for people. She has a bunch of protégés. As far as her own music, we'll see. Fingers crossed. I would love a Missy album in the future. <sighs>
0: Man, I believe she's gonna, is gonna, she gonna be in Ariana's album, is that? She is going to be in okay. Ariana's album. I was like, Ariana's is that a dream album. that I just No, that's real. Okay, all right, I love it. <laughs> well, Miles, y'all follow him, check out Fader. I love it, thank you for the Ariana Grande cover and of poster course. that's in my apartment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> more Anton to DM is up next. Isaac and I are gonna read more of your tweets. <laughs> I love it, it's the first thing you
9: see that's good, too. Welcome
1: back. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot H Powell, you <laughs> tweeted, "Absolutely love that AM to DM is paying homage to Missy Elliott today. Get it together, MTV." Absolutely, Kyle, I, I, a I, prayer, a yeah. segment that is a prayer. Yes, I'm, Okay. Mm. that was the
0: video. Mm. I can't stand the rain. I remember watching it against. My we were probably wing. in elementary school, mm-hmm. and I just, you know, a dark-skinned black woman with a big body, deciding not to try to make her body look smaller, but bigger mm. was like, I was just I shook. And, and I just, I love her. She's so nice. Uh, just, I'm excited to like start listening to more of her music. I just, you know. Give, give people their flowers. A new album also would just Woo. be... But do we deserve it? Ooh. <laughs> do we deserve it? Anyway, <laughs> we asked you uh, for times you felt you were in it, or realized you were in a totally different place financially than people around you. And guys, we've been reading your tweets throughout the show. Wow. Meg Betts, this is what you had to say. Uh, financed my own study abroad required for my major. Wow. But had no funds for extra excursions. They hosted the entire trip. I could never go and spend the entire summer making excuses which made people think I judged or hated them. Meanwhile, I paid for my daily bread with literal pennies I could find."
1: Mm. Man. I think that's a really good point though too. You got to remember, like, I especially students, right? I think so many people have these stories, especially when they're younger in life, and students can be so judgmental. Oh, well, so-and-so doesn't want to come out with a so-and-so this and this. And... and you don't know what other people are going through. Right. Yes. And, and that's something I remember my mom telling me in kindergarten. And I, and I think it works
0: in all kinds of ways. You never know what someone is Going through, you don't know the 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 angels they have on their shoulders, and you don't know the devils they're battling uh, just to get into the room in front of you. And I would also argue, as you were saying earlier, like just because someone has a lot of money does not mean you know
1: does not a nice person. Because make- that
0: twenty one year old got some stuff to figure out.
1: Another financial memory from Kate grad school. I had used the GI Bill to get my BA. Wasn't gonna get to college any other way. And then I encountered the bow tied folks who'd been born into a privilege that amazed me. Bow-tied. And yet. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but that is you You walk into these new spaces, and that's the other thing. You have to understand a lot of people, especially given their different backgrounds, are going to feel uncomfortable in this new space, and that is going to be their first time interacting with something that you, is maybe a world that you came up with, that you grew up with. Yeah, I, I remember when I first moved to New
0: York City um, for graduate school, the New York City area, and, and going to different spaces, being invited to places, and, and being so embarrassed by how I dressed, feeling underdressed and everything, and, and, you know, listen, that's why when I first moved, to new York, I wore a lot of black. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people do, frankly, right? Uh, Not just because it's our style, but also because it's like, oh, I can kind of blend in in these different spaces. Because I I, I felt hurt the first few times. I was, like, invited out to dinner, and I'd walk in, you know, wearing casual clothes, whatever I could afford as a graduate student, Mm -hmm. and it's like a five-star restaurant kind of space, and you're just like... Oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, here's another one from Logan. Uh, Hanging out at a friend's house in middle school, the phone rang, and my friend said, we don't have to answer it anymore because a lot of the times it's the collectors. Um, When I got home, I had to ask my mom what that meant. Ooh, that's
1: deep, Logan. That's a great tweet, too, Mm because I like this. And I saw a few of these today during the show. Mm -hmm. Um, It goes both ways. Yes. It very much goes both ways. Uh, Earlier in the show, I mentioned that I got a scholarship and got to go to boarding school. Blew some minds, bringing some of those folks back to the neighborhood I was from. Mm. These these are these stories. They go both ways. They absolutely. Yeah, and you, do. it's like, oh, I don't know what a collector is, mm-hmm. but you realize that your friend is going through this, or their family is going through this.
0: Yeah, and I saw. You know, certainly. You know, I, I think. Uh, the, the Forbes self-made cover is it, very much on a lot of people's minds. And I know Roxanne Gay had a tweet where someone was like, yeah, but you're self-made, you know, you didn't. And, and she was like, no, I'm not. And I think it's interesting, actually, like if you write down the word, am I self-made? Mm-hmm. And then maybe, you know, try to justify that. I might do that today, like try to justify it to yourself. I think it's interesting. It reveals, you know, all kinds of privileges that w- we don't think of because it's, you know, the other stuff ahead of
1: us. And here's the thing. I don't think anyone is, no matter what your background. There's always like, again, my whole story that I keep Coming back mm-hmm. to relies on this scholarship, yeah. you know. That wasn't something I didn't self make that, that is about other people.
0: Yeah, it's a myth. It's a myth. Well, thank you to all of our guests Queen Hollywood star, <laughs> Nisi Nash, Chantal Fallins, Lindsay Stanberry, Tamara Griffin, Tarini Party, Stephanie McNeil, and Helen Peterson, and Miles Tanzer. Thank you all for joining us.
1: Stephanie and Chantal will be your hosts tomorrow and Friday because Saeed and I. I'm going to Miami. It's not a brag, it's just the truth. It's a brag, (laughs) I see you on (laughs)
5: Monday.